Hey, 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 it's uh, Bobby Bobson here from the Scott Dads podcast. I have I have three members of a band, uh, Joystick, joining us this, this evening uh, for an exclusive interview to talk about their new album and all things ska, reggae, punk, uh, from uh, New Orleans to all over the world, I guess. Uh, but uh, I'm super excited to have these guys and ladies on the show uh, today. So um, I'll give everyone an opportunity to kind of introduce themselves and maybe you can say what you play in the band and... Anything else you want to share with us? Sure. Uh, I'm Duck, and I sing. I'm Andrew, and I do trombone. I'm Bex. I sing, and I play baritone sax. Awesome. So um, all of you have a new album. Is it is, it, is the album out yet? Uh, just one song. We have a, a single and a video out as of recording this, maybe by the time, I don't know when this drops, maybe by the time it drops. Yeah. 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 It, it, it usually, uh, we usually do it a few weeks uh, after the interview, but yeah, you guys have the latest album. It's, it's called dwell. So, um, what's, what's, what's the album about? Is it a concept album or. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's mostly about me, like thinking about like where, like looking back on my life, I, I'm kind of like currently, going through a weird midlife crisis thing <laughs> so, like it's me like thinking about uh my life like as a childhood and like where i want to go and and uh, me like processing that yeah. but there's also a song up there about uh bad neighbors bad bad house guests <laughs> Yeah, our our show is kind of uh, it's it's all about a midlife crisis, you know, like a ska dad. Like that's kind of when we started started the show. We we kind of I don't know if we were going through a midlife crisis, but we're all you know towards uh, heading towards forty, like in our late thirties. Uh, some of us are a little bit past that, and some of us aren't. So uh, that's kind of our our whole podcast grew out of kind of a midlife existential crisis. So that's cool to have you guys on uh, talking about this. So. And uh, you guys are part Definitely. of you guys are part of like the Bad Times uh, crew. You guys have been part of that label for a little bit. How did you connect with with Kill Lincoln and Mike and everyone else on that label? We opened for Kill Lincoln on a tour. Um, what year was that, Doug? I, I don't. It was probably like nine or ten years ago, huh? Uh, before the pandemic, I want to say like twenty seventeen or eighteen, and that was uh, mm. when. when Maybe it might. Oh, have been that the... that tour, yeah. We we were on a. I thought you were talking about the Scar Revival tour. Yeah, I forgot about that tour. We we yeah. toured with them twice, right? Yeah. Oh, I missed the Scar yeah, Revival. Yeah, we met them. Yeah, we met them like probably like ten or eleven years ago. Uh, we played with them at like Masquerade. Now you, I don't know if you were in the band yet, Andy. Uh, no, I probably wasn't in it for that because I joined the band like twenty fourteen or thirteen. 
Um, yeah, but yeah, we, we and then we were on the Ska Revival tour, um, and they were on it too. But yeah, we we toured toured with them. Yeah, back then in 2017, is that what it was? Yeah, and he he had gotten to see our live show a lot, and then I guess liked us from that, and it was great connecting with them, especially as a trombone player. Ume was insane. I, I still remember we had a show in Chicago that was in a weird, almost like an airplane hangar, just a large like metal shed. And typically in each show, he climbs up on something tall, plays a trombone and like jumps off and crowd surfs. But at this venue in Chicago, there was nothing you could climb on. So he set up a ladder in the middle of the pit, <laughs> climbed to the top of the ladder, was playing on that while a circle pit went around the ladder. It was like the most dangerous looking thing in the world. But, uh, yeah, we really connected with him on that tour, and I think Bad Time started later, and he remembered us from that, probably. Well, since we have two horn players from the band on it, did, does that kind of set the bar high when a trombone player does something like that? Does that make either of you guys want to, you know, do something even crazier to top that? or Not really, no. <laughs> um, I, uh, I might be the clumsiest person in ska, so like, I'm not interested in like doing any of that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm also. Yeah, well, and Ume, over the years, you've seen uh, him transition from using a metal horn to a cheap plastic yeah, horn. Yeah. He does this kind of stuff. So, uh, something has probably happened. Yeah, yeah, know, I, I it was fi- financially devastating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. That's what people don't understand. Like when they see horn players, like they're probably like any horn player you're seeing is definitely the money they spend on that horn. It's like you know, you only how many how many horns if if both of you want to answer this like but how many horns have have you owned or played in your life so i have two currently one of them um so i live in new jersey while the rest of the band is on the gulf coast so one of them is currently living with andy um but i do have another horn at home that was like my very first horn and that right now is like a parts donor it's an exact clone of the horn that i play on stage currently with joystick and any other project um except it's a little bit older and occasionally like i'll have a screw fall out or like something silly like that and i'll just go you know pop it off and just pop it on my current horn and save myself a little bit of money on on repairs but um it's not the worst idea i've ever had it's also not the most advisable one so if any horn players are listening uh talk about this uh, don't take my advice <laughs> as far as uh trombones go i'm mostly a tuba player so my house has way too many tubas in it but I, I've only ever played on two trombones, and there was one when I was in high school. I I was pretty lame. I'm still pretty lame, but I saw this black trombone online, and I thought, like, oh, this is the coolest thing, and I, I saved up a lot of money to buy it. <coughs> and luckily, it ended up being a good horn, because I had no idea at the time. Uh, and that's been my one horn through the, like, half of my life I've played trombone. And then later, I bought a cheap plastic trombone uh, just for kind of dicking around with it punk shows and that lives with duck now i think because duck was learning trombone yep i was gonna say i still have that yeah it's awesome <laughs> so it's black trombone though too because uh this past weekend at fest finn from against all authority who is their bass trombone player and saxophone player um he was like eyeballing your horn like while it was sitting on the mm-hmm. side backstage like is that a black horn i was like yeah dude that's andy's he goes that's so sick so Catch us some attention. Yeah, it fits the vibe, and I'm glad <coughs> the people that actually... <coughs> sorry, getting over the fest crud. So the people that actually 
play horns can realize it's like a metal horn, which is like a good one and not plastic. Because typically if you see a horn that's not a brass color, they assume it's kind of a hundred dollar, like cheap plastic horn that sounds bad. Yeah, but Leonor from Five Iron also plays on a black lacquered tenor saxophone too. Yeah. You know, oh, that's cool. Yeah, all... that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you don't see that. That's very yeah. like unusual. Um, and even even someone that plays a bass trombone, you don't see too many. I I don't think I've seen too many bass trombones in ska. My I was in a high school band. Oh my god, probably like it's starting to be like oh, twenty five to twenty eight years ago. But um, we had our our trombone player played bass trombone. I was like, I don't think I've noticed any other. It's not it's not a common <laughs> bass trombone. Like you don't see bass trombones usually in horn sections, right? I know one other band that has one. Um, and that's, that's my old band, uh, backyard superheroes. So their, their trombone player does occasionally swap onto a bass trombone as well. Oh, uh, fan is really interesting because <laughs> as a uh, kind of gritty and street punky as against all authority is, uh, very classically trained horn section. Yeah. He has a very orchestral <laughs> bass trombone. He's playing with all that. Yeah, he blows my mind, too, because the fact that he switches from bass trombone to baritone saxophone on occasion. Um, he told me he doesn't travel with the baritone saxophone as often now. Um, but when he can, the fact that he switches back and forth, I'm like, that's cool as hell, especially with, like, the change in embouchure, too. I'm like, I could never. <laughs> Where do we go from here when all is lost? Nothing gained, but we've sure paid the cost. Consciousness sold and bought. Turn the box on. Turn on. The world around you consumes so much it drowns you out Holding you to your station Another product of assimilation Falling down, down Further than your nose till you make no sound about it Shout it out real loud Try to stand out and you're swallowed by the crowd Baritone, baritone sax is one of my favorites. It just has that deep, like, like, and I, I got hooked. I think hearing the baritone sax with the with the scofflaws because, like, they were probably the first band I can think of, or maybe scuffing the epitones. Like, they had a lot of horns too, but, but just like that, that those offbeats playing on the baritone is just so like it, it's like almost it's almost like syncopated like like drum and bass music when you really think about it you could, you could do some really funky things with that like like even a band that's this is totally not ska or punk related but like that band like moon hooch i don't know if you've ever seen them and the, what, what they do with the horn oh, yeah. is like it's crazy it's like this is this is edm like live edm or something <laughs> like that it's crazy yeah, so Too Many Zoos yeah. and Moon Hooch, and just the EOP in general. So he, I got, I was honestly inspired to pick up a baritone saxophone and start playing again because of his videos on YouTube, especially like being from like New York, New Jersey, like I would, you know, I'd see his videos. I'm like, oh, he's in the Union Square subway station. I know where that is. How have I never heard to him? Um, and I'm like, it's just, I don't know. Everything about it was just so cool. Um, and then once I started playing baritone and I realized like just how much he was like really getting into it, especially with like the dance moves and stuff. I'm like, holy crap, we gotta, we gotta get our cardio going. And <laughs> oh, he's insane. And, and while doing that, playing flawlessly and he does a uh, slap tonguing and stuff like that to sound like almost like a slap bass guitar and funk. It's, <coughs> yeah. it's really impressive. 
yeah, he's nuts, but yeah, he definitely like helped really kickstart getting back into it. Um, I played baritone saxophone for a year in college um, at our in our community college's jazz band, funny enough. But before that, like I played tenor and I'm a clarinet player. So I'm like, I kind of had no business playing Barry, but at the same time I said, well, it's something I want to do. Um, and I've always really loved the instrument too, especially being from like Streetlight's home turf too, like Streetlight Manifesto was a huge influence on my playing and everything I wanted to do and I still want to do. Absolutely. Awesome. So, so we're just going into horn talk and we're just let Doc like sit out here and just be like, on his like singer it. Island, like, uh, with his holding his microphone. Or I something. love hearing about it. <laughs> but actually uh, it would be cool if I could hear maybe like, I, I don't know if, if, if someone, Doc, I don't know if you want to start about like a history, how did, how did the band come together? And, um, I, I, and then if everyone wants to share how they joined the band, I think that would be a cool place to kind of go. You all are hearing the soothing sounds of my yeah. blanket. You can go ahead. Sorry. It's getting like really. Oh yeah. Uh, so I moved to new Orleans and, um, I was going to start, uh, I, I've been playing Scott since like mid nineties. And so I moved to new Orleans and, um, I wanted to start a band. So I knew a couple people here just from like touring through new Orleans with various other bands. And so I just hit up like clay and, uh, he introduced me to Mickey and Garrett, our drummer at the time. And we had a couple friends. I had a couple of friends that were in a ska band in uh, Florida back in the day called Call, A Call for Fire. And they're basically called Chilled Monkey Brains now. But two of those dudes moved to New Orleans too. It was a trumpet player and a sax player. So we started Joystick. I already had, I already had maybe like 15, 16 songs written. That was basically our first album. And we kind of just like hit the ground running. And uh, what what label was like the first release on? Oh yeah, we were we were DIY for a lot, for probably the first like seven or eight years we were a band. Yeah, we we didn't get signed till our third third LP. And that's I mean like how is how is I I, I think too like I think that's. You know, most bands don't have labels. They put stuff out on. You know, you start doing everything yourself, doing demos, and it's hard. It's hard getting all that stuff organized. And I feel like, I, f- I feel like, the more labels there are, it gives opportunities to like different bands. And I think, I think now there's so many different labels that are doing like ska releases and ska labels. But they're but what they're doing that I've noticed that I I'm like this is so awesome. Like in 2023, and even. I think it's been going on for maybe four or five years now, actually. But like, it's a whole sense of like community, right? Like, like when you're on a label like Bad Times, you're part of that community, and you're going to get opportunities to play. But you're also going to help out bands when they come to town and open up for them. It's not just like, oh, I'm just pushing my band, my brand, you know, kind of thing mentality, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of that's kind of what I see. I fe- I feel like that uh, that sense of community. It- has always been there it just maybe hasn't really had a spotlight on it until recently because like like i said i've I've been playing and touring with ska bands since like 97 was when i went on my first uh tour with a ska band and and uh there was always like 
ska bands that would like book other bands like you know yeah, you'd have to set up shows like you'd have to now. and i'm sure i'm sure like you guys are in new orleans and the the I'm, I'm kind of in the that east coast area where we're very like spoiled with like you know six or seven bands in in, the, in any given town or like even dc has seems to have like 15 or 20 sometimes uh with all the different uh groups out there but um yeah being in new orleans it's it's probably like you guys are, are you guys the only ska punk band in new orleans right now or well punk the punk scene in new orleans yeah. is huge huge it, I, not even an exaggeration to say it's probably a hundred bands like it is huge the ska scene is it, it, it's it's getting it's basically non-existent for a long time <laughs> basically on the entire gulf coast you had like us and then andrew's other band flying raccoon suit that was it yeah. for like out of, from like louisiana until you hit florida that was it there you know yeah so but now now we have like um you know bands would come and go but nothing really would stick but now we have like uh bad operations around they're awesome um yeah i hear there's like a new a new ska band that's starting in new orleans with like some like really young like high school kids like some young kids which is, that's super exciting because like it's not just going to be us like 30 40 year olds anymore <laughs> yeah they'll be like it's good to like have some like young energy in there you know it's got to start so. somewhere yeah because everybody gave us our start and we need mm -hmm. some younger bands that we can give their start like opening shows or else that's just kind of where it dies absolutely yeah, definitely well well andrew and bex if you guys would like to share like um how you guys joined the group and maybe what year or what album or what, how you met duck or anyone else that made you kind of start playing yeah, so I joined in uh, <coughs> 2013 or 14, uh, and, and it's because, like he said, uh, my uh, band Flying Raccoon Suit and Joystick were the only two bands in this region, and Joystick, uh, there was a period where uh, their trumpet and trombone player, I think, were unavailable for like a year because they were going to college or something, and Joystick was playing this festival in Atlanta, the Mass Ska Raid. Uh, and I think it was it was the first time the Planet Smashers had been back to the States in forever and tons of big bands. Uh, they needed fill-ins. So Dante, at the time, called me. Uh, he didn't know that I played any horns, but he asked if FRS's horns could fill in for Joystick for this festival. Um, uh, FRS's trombone player at the time uh, pieced out. He like The last thing we ever heard from him is we asked if he needed a ride to the show that night. He told us no, and then we never heard from him again. So I was like, we don't have a trombone, but also I play trombone if you need that. And I got the FRS trumpet player and me to fill in for Joystick for this festival. And we showed up knowing all the parts. And then, um, yeah, for that next year or so, the trumpet and trombone player were still unavailable. So me and the tenor sax player would do all the gigs together in Joystick as the horn section. And at some period in that, they asked me to be in the band full time. So... I was stoked, said yes, and then at a certain point the trumpet and trombone player became available again, and then we rolled as kind of a four-piece for a while, and then later they became unavailable again for daddy duty or other reasons. Yeah, alright, so then I guess that leaves me. Um, yeah, so um, I was playing in another band at the time, 
um, like I had mentioned earlier, and we were sharing a show with Joystick. But leading up to that, I was doing a lot of like social media duties for the band. So, um, and getting to know everybody through like Scott Twitter and the Scott Facebook groups, and really just like putting ourselves out there. Um, that's how I got to know Flying Raccoon Suit. So sure enough, Flying Raccoon Suit rolled through uh, the Northeast last spring. And, um, and so I went to go meet my internet friends in real life. And then sure enough, um, it was at the second of the two shows that I went to, cause I went to a New Jersey show and then I went to a Manhattan show uh, the following day. So Andy and I were talking and he was like, hey, listen, I'm the only horn going on tour with Joystick. Um, since we're sharing a show, like, do you want to learn our set? And play our set too. I said, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, sounds great. So sent me the charts and everything. And then at that point, I was like, the Northeast is so concentrated that like, you could just go from like spot to spot, market to market, if you will, within like two hours of each other. So I was like, if you want more horn reinforcement, like I'm happy to tag along. They said, yeah, and uh, it's been history ever since. So they just kind of like took me in as one of their own, like on day one. And, um, you know, we just, we formed a bond that like, I don't think I ever had in a few years of like being in my former band, which to me, like that's super special to be able to have that and like, you know, just really, really make the most of it. But um, Dwell is the first recording that I'm on with Joystick. So um, means a lot to me that, that I'm on that. And, uh, you know, we've, we've just been having a blast all hanging out and playing shows. I've gone on all the tours this year. Um, so it's it's been a good year for, for playing music for me, especially with getting a no joystick. Awesome. Well, how, how would you say, um, I, you know, you got it, it's funny how like it's like three different stories we just heard of like different entry points. So <laughs> um, just thinking about this new new album that comes out like in 11 days. And of course, it may be sooner than that, depending on when the show releases. But uh, it's out in 11 days and it's like a, it's 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 an EP, right? So it only has a couple. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's a 12 inch EP. <laughs> What makes this different from your previous album? I, I, I listened to the previous album pretty thoroughly when it when it came out a few years ago on Bad Time. So I'm just curious to say, how is, is this kind of an evolution in sound? Like what's what's made this recording and this album a little bit different? Well, we got Bex on it now. Um, <laughs> she recorded actually her stuff remotely and it sounds amazing, oh, cool. by the way. Yeah, so oh, that's, that's super cool too. Um, like i i feel like we've kind of the last like couple albums when we wrote i was I, I can only speak for myself i was still kind of trying to get my feet like in sobriety and how to deal with being a human and uh i feel like i got a pretty good grasp on it now you know i've kind of got my, i'm like steady with my feet so like of course that affects like all aspects of my life including the songwriting so I do, I do think it, it, it's like you know, like a step up from where we were, you know, which is good. You always want to get better, you know, but that's what I think at least. This one is different in that uh, I think it's spontaneous in the sense that uh, Duck wrote it, but we haven't uh, had a practice space for the band in years, so he showed the members individually, <coughs> and everybody kind of showed up to the studio and did their part without us ever having practiced it as a band. So there's a lot of parts where it's really funny, like in LFG, there's a drum fill that's pretty big that goes into the last like a break before the outro. A lot of spots that seem spontaneous, but was really just everybody showing up with their interpretation of the part uh, without practicing it. 
and like duck showed me the horn parts when I showed up to the studio and it's all like <laughs> it was all first impression what we heard and then like what we played which is kind of different yeah sweet like um yeah so I mean like are, are you guys going on tour to support this like it, it's coming on 11 days like what what are the plans I, I mean, it looks like you guys have a show coming up in uh, New Orleans and stuff but w- what's the plan after that we have an EP release show, and we were talking about mm-hmm. some tour plans today that I don't know uh, if we can talk about yet, Duck. That's a, I'll, I'll throw it to Duck. Uh, I, I think we should wait on yeah, that. To, to be, uh, TBA, yeah. if you want to find out, you can, I'm sure, check Follow out our social media, yeah, on Instagram, whatever, Twitter. Definitely. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, just thinking about, you know, um, I, I don't know, the, the, ska, the ska community and stuff, like, I, so I was just wondering how you guys kind of how you feel like you guys fit in the ska community because it, it seems like um, the bad times bands like a lot of you guys play together and do a lot of touring and stuff together but um, there's there's other ska punk bands that are on different labels doing things more DIY movement and and from being like in in the south I guess like in New Orleans like what, what do you think your role is in, in like the ska community? Well, when I I didn't plan for this to happen. When I write my lyrics, I generally just try to be as honest as I can. I try to write about like my life, you know. And um, I didn't plan for us to be like the mental health band or whatever you know i like especially when i was just writing about like my alcoholism and like not to get heavy but like thoughts of suicide and stuff like that you know and um I, we we weren't even planning on releasing it on bad time but then like when we did and like other bands on the label were also releasing songs and albums dealing with like subjects of mental health and stuff I, I think it was like it's like our little niche that we kind of fit into and um it's i think it's great to, that we can be a part of it you know yeah and I, I i've always connected with bands that have like personal lyrics and like that make you feel like that invite you into like that storytelling you know i think that's like important and i've had i've had other people on the show too that kind of talked about that i we interviewed Adam uh, for Omnigon, and he talked a lot about that. And you know, he but he also talked, and he talked about you know his his stance on like you know being straight edge. And we we've had other people on too that 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 have talked about like sobriety and stuff. And uh, it seems as people get old older, like that's something that that comes up. You know, there are people that don't need to be like you, you know like creative people. It's it seems like they thrive when they make certain like lifestyle changes and, and not saying, you know, not saying, Oh, everyone has to make this change or anything like that, but just being like, you know, so it's, it sounds from you. Like, do you feel like with sobriety, it, it's helped kind of like unleash like a different, like creative output from, from yourself or. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I was in active addiction, truly, really the only thing I cared about was like, getting that next like fix you know and so now that that's out of the way i can like focus on every other aspect of my life you know including like 
my artistic side, you know. So yeah, I I think it has, and I'm I'm sure. Well, Bex probably doesn't doesn't know. She's only known me sober, but like, I'm sure being on tour with me is probably way better. <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm. Yeah, we don't even talk about that. <laughs> it, there, there were there were fun times, you know. There were. I, that's whatever. <laughs> yeah, Lo- a whole lot less barf. Yeah, the shows are more predictable. punk in this box in 2023 because i could mention like four different ska punk bands with horns and the way they write songs the way they sound are completely different and i feel like what's ska punk now is a lot different than what ska punk was 20 years ago so Mm -hmm. i i don't know i i would just like to hear how you guys approach that like like how you approach like songwriting you talked about in the studio um how you guys got together and just kind of laid out the horn parts like piece by piece or mm-hmm. instrument by instrument so how, how does like the horn lines and everything like that develop do you guys have melodies that you write together is it kind of done is it piecemeal together or is it just kind of written like in kind of a collaboration so bex might have some more input on this because uh, for the most part with this ep um it's all duck writing the horn lines he sh- boxes he showed up and or like me and garrett came to the studio that's when i recorded our trumpet player and he, you know, studio time is expensive. It's however much per hour. So he hummed a horn line to me and then I ran into the booth and tried to replicate what duck hummed to me as best as I could. Um, Bex had more, <coughs> more time and wrote, wrote some different parts. So I'll, I'll throw it to her. Yeah. I was kind of like, it's not that I was rushing to get it done, but I just kind of was like, let me get this off of my plate as soon as I could. Um, just so I don't forget about it. But basically, yeah, it was interesting for me because in the past I was typically the first person to record a horn line just because like the Barry part is usually at least in the way that like I have played more recently. Um, usually that's like, almost in addition to the rhythm section or like it's a piece of the rhythm section. So um, it's not that I emulate the bass guitar, but like at least that's like my starting point for like when I write my own melodies. Um, This time was the complete opposite because I had everybody else's tracks in hand and I just kind of had to figure out where I fit into that. So um, this like some of the tunes on the EP were a little bit of a challenge because I was like, okay, how can I maintain the like New Orleans charm of joystick that everybody knows and loves 
while still having my Northeast, you know, Barry flair to it. Um, and like, admittedly, like, I don't, I don't know nearly as much about like New Orleans, like brass band culture and things like that. And like Klezmer, like, you know, styles were like, I don't know, that's kind of what, what the rest of the guys, you know, breathe and eat and, you know, and sleep on. So it was a little bit of a challenge for me to try and make sure that I was fitting in without like, you know, necessarily conforming to a T with what was already thrown um, to me. But um, I'm classically trained as well. So it's one of those things where like, I follow a lot of music theory rules and I know the rules are meant to be broken, but I kind of, I feel like I took a little bit of a conservative approach with uh, writing because I just, I didn't want to be too outside the box for my first release with Joystick. Um, I'm always a little nervous that I'm going to like go a little too outside the box with things and, you know, overstep any boundaries, especially as, as a new, as a new member, if you will. Um, but I'm happy with how it came out and I hope everybody, you know, enjoys what was, what was thrown, thrown down, but the guys were all super supportive and super, uh, you know, uh, encouraging and yeah, supportive really is the best word for it. Yep. So once they put the tracks being like, you crushed it. I'm like, hey, thanks. Yeah, the, the low end of the song sounds, <laughs> sounds good. Cause yeah, it's. Yeah. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Would you guys ever like, like after, after this album, do you guys have plans yet for anything else? Like what's, what's the next steps uh, with the band? I know you mentioned you guys might have some other tour dates coming up, but uh, after that, what, what do you guys have in store? Uh, we're kind of tossing around maybe recording next year, you know, but with the, especially with like labels and stuff, it, like we were this EP, we recorded it last December, you know, and it's just now it's, you know, it took like 11 months, you know, so it's, it's always like kind of unpredictable with like release schedules and stuff. So even if we start recording next year, who knows yeah. when it'll ever you know. Are you guys doing any videos for any of the songs too? Uh, we did a video uh, for our did. first single, yeah. Yeah, yeah we did one. And um, yeah. speaking of it, videos, I know a, a big thing this past year is Duck and Clay recorded a horror movie, Amityville NATO. So they've been having creative output between Joystick and Amityville NATO, which is in post production. Mm -hmm. What's what's yeah, there were a lot of people that were surprised um, when the EP was announced where it was like, I'm surprised they had time to record this because half of the band has been busy recording a movie. So that's a pretty big flex, yeah, I what's, think. What's, so what's this movie about? It's about a um, soul-sucking tornado. That's awesome. So it's in the horror genre <laughs> of movies? Like, kind of like... Yeah, it's a... It's a horror comedy bro road trip. At, yeah, it's got a little bit of romance in there. Yeah, it's got it's got a little bit of something for is, is it is it a musical so or is it fair. just a it's it's a movie? Like it's like no. yeah. Yeah, it's just a Did movie. you write so you But um there is a lot of um we have like there's like a lot of people in the movie that are in ska bands, a lot of like kill Lincoln's on the soundtrack. There's like a lot of like, it's very like steeped in the ska community. Oh, awesome! Uh, when uh, if people are fans of ska and they watch the movie, they will, there's a ton of Easter eggs. Yeah. 
tons, tons. So what I, what was your so you wrote the, wrote the film and what was your involvement in it? Like how did you come up with the Yeah, I wrote and directed wrote it, directed. produced wow. it. So is it how's it yeah. how's it going to be released? Like is it coming when, when's it coming out and how's it how can people find out about it? Don't know yet. Uh hopefully the premiere will be in January. We're in post production now. We're working our asses off on it. Um so yeah, hopefully in January it'll premiere, you know. Are you? Are, it's my first movie. Yeah. So are you, are you planning to do like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, it's going to be in theaters or is it going to be like released online? Do you have any of those details yet? I'm sure it'll be online eventually. Um, we kind of just want to tour it, go around to different film festivals, you know. There's, uh, like certain ones we have in mind that we're going to apply to. So that's kind of like what our short term goals are, you know. That sounds, that sounds like that's a whole that's that's as much work if not probably like five times the work of of doing like live music and putting out an album right like i can't imagine so much yeah i can't dude <laughs> they've been working on it for so long and they still are dude bex was on set a couple of times and it's it's a so lot so how is if, if you're a fan of like indie horror films like is there something like is there a certain like influence you draw from or is it anything like if you like this you're gonna like this like how would you how would you describe it to someone who you just met on the streets and, and they're mm -hmm. like hey are you that guy that's making that vampire movie how would you how would you describe it like what, how uh, would you put it into words i guess i would compare it to that where it's like more of a comedy horror um but I kind of think it like kind of touches on like Kevin Smith kind of stuff where there's like there's like kind of some serious undertone to it as well. But it's mostly a comedy. But there's like some, you know, it, it touches on like um, alcoholism and stuff like that as well. Um, but yeah, most just tried to make a popcorn flick. I mean, it's a soul sucking tornado, you know? <laughs> That's, that sounds fun. I, I can't wait to, to check that out. That sounds that sounds different and creative and really fun. Um, or, earlier, before we started doing this, you guys were talking about fest and stuff. Um, how is how is how is playing? And have you guys done it before? Like, what's uh, I don't know. And if you could maybe describe it for people that may not be familiar with with that musical scene and festival. We've played it. Um, I have a poster on my wall by my computer for the Fest 17, and that was the first one we did, and this is our fourth. Is that right, Doug? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we played yeah. it four times. <laughs> this is the third time since being on Bad Time, I think, but it's a, it's it's really great. We've done a few festivals now, and um, I think of all of them, I won't name any names, but Fest hasn't beat. It's very community-oriented. Everything, you can leave a venue, and there's a you know restaurants and wrestling events and comedy events everywhere you look and people are stoked on everyone and shows sell out uh like we played a what 500 cap venue duck i don't know mm -hmm. who'd, who'd, you, who'd you guys play with like could you maybe describe that yeah um we played uh with the pomps jer mustard plug the pie tasters who else bex do you remember Folly. Folly. Yeah, we played with Folly. Against oh, all yeah. authority. Yeah, Folly against all authority. We're, We're the, the union. union. Um, Devin Cage. Yeah, last year when we played, um, I'm trying to think of who else was playing. Catbite has played it with us in the past. 
Um, trying to think. I think that might have been the only deviation. Kill Lincoln, if that was Lincoln. that night. Kill Lincoln. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's yep. and it's not like your yep. typical like music festival. How would you how would you describe like? Because I I haven't been, but I know other people that have, and they've kind of like described it to me. So just just in case anyone's listening, they're like, it's, "What's this thing? Is it is it just like a music festival? <laughs> like, how, how would you describe it?" I love describing yeah I love describing fest just because it's like you're not necessarily like corralled into one space like you would somewhere like a Bonnaroo or a Coachella or a Riot Fest or anything like that um Gainesville Fest is really cool because Gainesville is a college town so there's pretty hop and nightlife um but like all of these bars basically turn into fest venues even like non-bars non-traditional um spots in town like hell bazaar is uh one of the venues in town and they're like a clothing boutique that like turns their store into a venue for the festival um but like it's just it's really really cool you can just walk around downtown gainesville and you just hear music coming from all sides of you and i mean you can turn in any direction and basically walk headfirst into a venue, which is amazing. Um, and so you do have the option to buy individual tickets to each showcase, as they call them, each venue show for each day. Um, but like, if you have the wristband that that's all access, I mean that you can literally just walk into any of these venues at any given point and find a new band that you like, see an old band that you haven't seen in a while. Um, and just like, everybody's so kind. Um, I actually have some friends that went that this year was their first fest and they came down from New Jersey to to go to it. And um, they were asking me, like, is everybody always this nice at <laughs> fest? And like and not even just like the ska fans either, because they're not big ska people. Um, for the record, they they did come to the joystick show to see me and they started a chant for me, uh, which I was like, no, stop, please. I don't want that. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah that's another story um (laughs) but like but they were like they were all over the place like they're more like i know my one friend is a hardcore guy and his fiance is all about like the pop punk and um and everything like that so like there literally is something for everyone but like yeah there's just there's so much good food around town and it's just like a really really good hang for people so Highly recommend for anybody who's been like thinking about spectating fest. Absolutely recommend (coughs) do it. Um, I'd been, I'd had my eyes on going to fest for about a decade before I finally got to play. And like, it was everything I expected and more. So. Yeah, it's definitely the best festival. And it's kind of like South by Southwest where South by Southwest takes over a section of Austin. This takes over a section of Gainesville, but way less corporate. Some bands, you know, you can get paid more than $200 by law. <laughs> so definitely a South by Southwest beat. Yeah. Who, who, who yeah. runs, who, who runs it or sets it up? Is it just like, is it a band or like a group of promoters in Gainesville? It's a, it's a guy named Tony. I don't, Tony. Yeah, Tony. <laughs> I don't know if there's a group, but yeah. yeah, at least this one guy. That's cool. He has a volunteers and it's like volunteer ran. It's it's super. I mean, as big as it is, it's still DIY. It's yeah. awesome. It sounds like I, yeah. I mean, super, Supernova happens. Yeah, I mean, Supernova happened a few months ago, and that's you know that community is really cool too. It sounds it sounds like the fest community and the Supernova community. It sounds very like similar to me at times. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, Tim and April mm-hmm. versus a guy named Tony. Yeah, just no, no big group. Yeah. In a grudge match, right? And like we could put them in a wrestling ring yeah, or something. Let's like have that. a claymation. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. So what? Well, so it, it all sounds good nice. in the end. So, but um, yeah, yeah. Just thinking about like some some music. I I know if people want to follow you, you got you got. We talked about going to your Instagram and Twitter, but just just before we kind of wrap up the interview, I was just wondering what's what are some bands or cool things for people to check out? I mean, we talked a lot about we talked about the movie you have duck coming out and we've talked about some other bands. I know Andrew, you play in flying raccoon suit. You guys have a new thing, a new album coming out also on bad times too, right? Yep. It uh, dropped today as of recording this. Excellent. So, so good. Yeah. If it's you're, so good. if you're listening in the future, check that out. Also uh duck uh, shouts on one of our songs, eat the world. And then Jessica from <laughs> flying raccoon suit, shouts on the joystick song house guest so we have some cross pollination there because we're you know the two bands that were in this region together for that long burying period we like to do that when we can we're one big family yeah, that's, yeah. that's what it seems like and, and that's the cool thing like like this southern area like years ago they had this website called like southern and they had a couple of festivals and stuff but um it was it was almost like it's it seems like you guys have kind of helped develop like a network of of bands and stuff down south so that that's that's really awesome So we shared two members, but even before that, like Garrett from Joystick filled in with FRS on trumpet. Um, you know, Curly filled in with Joystick on guitar recently. So like us being close together, we always fill in when we can. And it makes life easier if you guys go on tour because you can just say, "Oh yeah, we can bring our this other band along with <laughs> us, and we share half the members, so it's we we can share one van or share like you know less rooms. Like that makes that makes life a lot easier, right? Like. We we did that last what? year. It saved on gear. Yeah, that's that's. It smart. was one of the most fun I've ever had on tour ever. That was so fun. Yeah, it was great. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like just going on tour and stuff has changed in like the post COVID world too. It's not like you can just everything seems to be more planned and you know you have to think about things and make accommodations for different different things too. It's like. But but I'm I, but touring, you know, having the ability to tour in 2023 is and is just awesome that people can still do that with with everything that's happened, you know. It's hard. And, but uh, it's, it's so much. It, it's it's so much better with Bex too because before, <laughs> she is amazing at planning ahead. Like we would just roll into town and be like, 
Hope we find a place to sleep. And she'll be like, I got a hotel. Like, I've been sick. Oh, yeah. For Game changer. We just played Fest and we're like, God, where are we going to stay? The hotel's been booked for months. And Bex is like, I booked a hotel back in April. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, that's like, so once upon a time in a past life, I did a lot of stage managing. I did front of house engineering. Um, I did a little bit of tour managing and I did lighting design. So I've done like all of these aspects of touring besides playing up until recently. So it's just like, for me, it's just natural to just be like, I got it. Yeah. Like, you know, cause it's like, nobody likes to, I mean, we only had to sleep in the van, what, twice on this last tour and it wasn't that bad. Like yeah. Yeah, there was, there was after Pooza when we were like, we can't get anything, you know, around, around Montreal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we also were just like, we. We couldn't wait to come back into the States and, and see Duck. So we were like, all right, well, we'll sleep in our vans in a Walmart parking lot and, yep. uh, you know, make the best of it. We went to that cute diner the next morning. Um, that was good, yeah. Where, where we got fruit that Clay had to throw out at the border. Yeah, you can't bring fruit over the border, we learned. Well, that's so interesting. No. That's illegal. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, you got any, any fresh fruit or anything? Clay's like, oh, wait, I have these leftovers from breakfast. And the guy's like... You gotta throw it out. So we're like, all right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, it's just being on tour is fun. It's it's something that I missed for sure, especially because like I hadn't done it in a hot minute. Um, but it's also just like it's nice to not have to do as much of the like behind the scenes work in in contrast to you know what I had been doing versus what I'm doing now. But you know, but it's just fun. I like being on top of things. I don't, I don't like to give myself the the title of like band mom because I can't be like that much responsibility. But like, I don't know. We just gotta gotta look out for us, you know. And we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah it's nice to have people that share sure. different responsibilities and roles too. It makes it makes other stuff easier when you have a group of people rather than just one person doing all of it too. You know. Of course. I mean, usually like bands have managers for that sort of thing, but like, I don't know. A lot of the DIY ethos is like literally do it yourself like <laughs> just you know figure it out and you know and it's all good but yeah as soon as as soon as we knew that we were playing fest i was like let me get on that hotel room thing if i don't need it, at least i can cancel it um so and also like with the amount of traveling that i do for the band too i'm like ah that's easy right you know? <laughs> booking, booking rental cars booking hotels booking flights i got this like it's it's easy and we appreciate it for sure <laughs> awesome yeah. well thank you guys for giving me some time on a friday um i know it's like after yeah. work and uh before the evening has really started so i appreciate everyone taking some time out what's the best way to follow and stay in touch with all things joystick um, Instagram is Joystick Nola. Um, I run the Twitter. Our handle there is Joystick Five Hundred Four Ska. But who knows how long that will be around for? As Twitter, now known as X, is uh, falling apart. And then uh, Facebook, we're on there as well. So all, all the usuals. And, um, and and in like uh, what did we say? Eleven days. You can you can go to the Bandcamp page and purchase the album, and you can also get it on, on Bad Times as well. Yeah, it's it's up for pre-order now. You, you mm -hmm. can go get it now. Sweet. And uh, if you like get it with the shirt, there's like a discount and stuff. Nice. You can get like a yeah. Sweet, sweet, sweet. So, so is it a double? Is so it's with it being an EP? Is it double sided or it's? I saw it was a twelve inch. So that's <laughs> why, as a vinyl guy, I'm curious. So there is a surprise on the second side. I don't know if we can say because he hasn't said. 
There is something. Yeah, don't, on the yeah, side. don't don't spoil. We don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, so. yeah. It's cool though. It's cool. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, sometimes it's it's better saying less. You know, there's a lot in saying less. Right. So, yeah. So yeah, thank you guys it's, for joining us. I know, I know, like like when we when I do a podcast, it's like it's like band practice. So I give everyone a time, and then we all kind of get together <laughs> whenever it happens. So that's yeah. uh, that's cool. But I really appreciate you guys taking time out to do this. So awesome. Great. Well, thank Thanks you. Thanks so much. Just where my feet are